0: Welcome to the Ecom Wiz Podcast, a podcast that helps Amazon sellers to dominate the marketplace. And I do mean dominate. dominate. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon influencers in the industry. This is the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Hey, everyone,
1: this is Rob Stanley with Feedback Wiz. And today, I have Brandon Young. He's a private label seller, soon to be eight figure private label seller on Amazon and also co-founder of Seller Systems. Hi Brandon, thanks for being on. Hey Rob, thanks for having me man. No problem. So Brandon is, uh, I I call Brandon an influencer in the Amazon industry. Uh, A lot of people know him. Uh, If not, just look him up. He's an awesome person with a lot of great information. We're going to go over some great info regarding Amazon and first though I want to start out Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how long ago you got into selling on Amazon and how that journey kind of began.
2: Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, So I would say um, more than 10 years ago now, um, wow, it's like 12 years ago, I was working in the family business, uh, wholesale construction supplies. My father passed. uh, We sold the business and I decided to go back to school, uh, get an MBA. Um, and at the same time I was really interested in investing in startups and being in that world. So it was, um, it was an interesting space to be in. I, I created a meetup group and I started investing and then helping ent- entrepreneurs, um, to prove their, their, their business, to raise capital, uh, to invest in their companies, to get them to a point where they could invest or to get their books in order because my degree was in finance and, uh, I really loved it, but, um, it just, I met. Um, my, my now wife and I had a buddy who came to me and said, Hey, I want to start a business. Um, and I, we had had some mutual friends who had started selling on Amazon and were making really good money right away. And I said, well, you should probably just do what they're doing. And he says, well, they don't t- want to tell me cause I'll be competition.
0: Yeah. And,
2: uh, so it ends up that they were doing arbitrage and then they live in the same area. So they did, really didn't want competition. Uh, but, uh, I said, it couldn't be that hard. But once I started looking into the Amazon world, I discovered FBA and I wanted to do more of a scalable business model. So I, I did wholesale. Uh, I did some liquidation where I was buying like return pallets and things. And I'd tried a lot of different things. Wholesale was really, really well for us. We we scaled very quickly, uh, doing over hundred thousand a month, like from our third month on, um, we were able to do. Now that was just tapping into my, my old connections that I had with the wholesale construction supply companies. Uh, so, I was selling like DeWalt and Makita, Milwaukee, things like that. Nice. But DeWalt started to become blocked. So, I saw the writing on the wall, and my wife is Chinese. So, we're dating, but I'm like, why are we not doing private label? We have this huge advantage. And we'd only just learned about private label, really. Like, we were listening to some podcasts and, you know, some of the guys that had been trailblazers, um, you know, like Scott Volker's podcast and stuff. And, we didn't know how much more difficult it was than he, than he was even leading on, but it was it. We we just jumped, uh, you know, headfirst into it. Uh, made a lot of mistakes, learned a lot of
1: lessons, and uh, persevered though. How long ago was that that you uh, got started in this uh, business? So like that was three years ago.
2: Yeah, three years ago. Last month was probably when we launched our first product, um, private label product. Four years ago was, uh, you know, about a year before that we had done, um, we'd been doing the, the wholesale and stuff. So yeah. about four years total, maybe uh, three years for private label.
1: Yeah. So, it, so just if anybody's listening or, or watching, uh, so retail arbitrage, it, basically people go out to the stores, you scan it, you see if it's something that you could send to Amazon FBA and make some money on. Um, definitely a tough business, but there is some people that are very successful out there. So one of the things Brandon was kind of uh, talking about was the DeWalt thing. So talk a little bit about there. So, so people understand uh, if they go try this, right? It, it, to me, retail arbitrage is kind of cool if you just want to kind of get your feet wet and understand some of the process of Amazon. But there's a couple of pitfalls. You need to watch out. Uh, you were just saying there's certain things being blocked that you're not allowed to sell. Maybe uh, touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So
2: arbitrage, there's, there's some good benefits, like there's pros and cons to each type of business model. Like you're saying, so with, with arbitrage, you're just flipping, um, other people's brands that already exist that are already out there. So, um, you're able to go find a deal, a wholesale event or, uh, you know, a liquidation event, a sale, um, you know, people like to scour, uh, different stores, so there, and there's even different types of arbitrage people. So there's people that do thrift stores and they sell books, used books and stuff. And then there's people who go to only discount stores, like uh, and go to the clearance section at Target and Walmart, Kohl's, you know, things like that. And then there's people that do high-end uh, arbitrage where they're dealing with electronics or fashioned items like Coach and Chanel. But you you can only do that with the right type of account, the right type of clearance, and it takes it takes a lot to. To get to that point where you can understand how fast something's moving, how many other sellers are selling it, whether you can even sell it. Uh, so the good thing about arbitrage, I think, is that, like you said, you can you can start to understand that there's money to be made on Amazon. That FBA is a real thing. They'll do all the work for you in the heavy lifting. But the bad thing with arbitrage is that you're competing with other people on the buy box, uh, and you don't really um, you you have to, It's not really a scalable like business uh, to me it's more of a job right if yeah. you're not out there buying and then shipping it in then you're not making money so i preferred something that i could uh scale another good thing about arbitrage is that you flip your money faster if you find the right thing you can send it into amazon it sells within a few days and then you have your money back in you know two three weeks but with private label you've got to create your own brand you've got to create your own listing you've got to market that listing and get it ranked for all the keywords that you wanted to target uh, you have to understand how to do data analysis. You have to understand how to do optimization, logistics. Uh, you know, you're creating a full-blown business that can scale into millions of dollars very quickly, but you also tie up your capital longer too. So you have you have pros and cons to each, uh, and it's really just a matter of where you're at with your capital and your time and, and how much time you can put into a business to determine like which one's right for you, I think.
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Uh, backing up a little bit uh, to your kind of story of how you got started. Did you ever do anything with uh, uh, eBay or anything back in the day? Um, yeah, we, so we would
2: sell what we couldn't sell on Amazon on eBay. It's kind of like our liquidation point. Um, also, our returns, we would sell, use things. If it'd come back and it was used or beat up, then we would sell it on eBay. But it's never been something that was like a driver of income for us.
1: Yeah, it, I I mean referencing your backstory, it, anybody who's been around for a while, it's very similar. Like I, I've been in that whole space for e-commerce for 20 years and it's like did a lot of the same things you said, uh, went down some of the pitfalls you went down. You know, it's just one of those things that you, you kind of do and it's that process. Luckily, you know, there's so much out there now that people could reference and kind of learn from uh, that it allows you kind of this like, they get to skip some of the steps. So, you know, speaking of, of, you know, learning, so Brandon has his own course on selling on Amazon. Uh, Why don't you talk a little bit about how, what brought you to the point of starting that course and helping people out?
2: Yeah, I think uh, there's a few things there for us. Um, Coaching, I I love teaching, I love, I've always loved helping um, and I think it's a good way like there's the altruistic side of it where I can help people but then there's the diversification on the business side of it as well so I love to um, I love to give back and to, to teach and I think that for me if you know I can make millions of dollars a year like I'm doing but it doesn't uh, I'm only one person but if I can help a hundred people become millionaires then I'm gonna make a big difference in society I think And if I can make a thousand people millionaires. So, so I think like I can leverage my knowledge and I think we really figured things out. Um, There were, there were, I was tired of also seeing people out there taking the wrong courses and getting the wrong content and losing money. Uh, If you just try to cut corners or, you know, and you listen to free content, it's not going to be enough. It's going to be outdated. Amazon's always changing. There's different issues with the algorithm, the way you launch products that you need to know the latest, greatest strategies. And then there's guys out there that are selling courses that aren't real sellers. They've never been successful themselves. You know, they may have hit a certain number of sales, six figures, seven figures, but all of their products failed because they're just not good at it. And they just make most of their money selling courses. So I wanted to be something different. I wanted to um, create a course that was like a college level course, constantly updated and engaging uh, and also from somebody who's actively doing it. Um, And I think that that's, you know, what we've, been able to achieve up to this point
1: yeah i I have to say that uh you know i haven't i haven't had a chance to take brandon's course but i will be um but what i do know from people i've talked to that have taken it brandon always keeps it up to date he's always making sure that he's there to answer questions and help people it's it's not like hey come take my class and you're never going to hear from me again or take my course you're never going to hear from me again so that's one thing that I definitely uh, think sets you apart. You're always, I see you all over social media. You and I are always talking. I see things pop up all the time. You're always out there trying to help people. And I think that's one of the things that really helps make your course uh, set it apart from some of the others is you, you support that course. You're not just putting a course out there and driving people to it. You're actually getting involved with the people that are, you know, taking your course. So, oh, I you know, that. yeah, yeah I think no, that, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, to that point, like, we structured it so that it's uh, basically, it was six classes that we would go through over the course of like 14 weeks. So every two to three weeks, you have a three to five hour class, like a college level class about a specific subject. And then once you're done with those six classes, we repeat them. And then when we go through them the second time, we're updating them with the latest information that we have and the strategies that we have that we're working. So it ranges from finding profitable products, data analysis, all the way through to launches. And, and then part of the launch strategy, you know, there's a five hour class just on PPC. There's a four hour class just on chatbots, for example. And I don't think that those are long enough. I probably have to break those this time around. I'm probably gonna break PPC into two classes and and chatbots we're gonna break down and probably do two classes. So we're, um, we're constantly going through. And then every single week on top of that, we do office hours where every Monday we do an ask me anything. We talk, you know, we answer any questions for the students. But the most powerful part of all of it is not the constant learning in the classes. It's the the community that we're building. So we have a mastermind in the inner circle with 250 students and we teach an abundance mentality. Like we really try to push everyone to lean on each other and to help each other because there's so many products out there that we can sell and so many things that we can do um, that you can literally help thousands of people make millions of dollars each and it probably won't cut into your business at all. And so, that's the message that we need to get get through to everybody. Is that we're um, we're all here to help each other. So if you ask a question in the group, you're going to get five, six, seven answers within a few minutes. People are always looking for an opportunity to help each other and to support each other. And we've got 25 guys in that group that are already doing seven
1: and eight figures. Awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's let's dive a little bit into this course and and kind of what you're teaching. The, do you, I'm assuming that you're going to probably talk about like products to avoid. Why don't we talk about that? Or, I mean, obviously your goal is to talk about products that make you money, but there's also like a list of things you should avoid. So maybe for anybody listening, let's, let's give them a few uh, ideas of things they might want to avoid.
2: Yeah. So categorically, I like to avoid a few different categories. So I, I would st- Say you want to be away from cell phone accessories. You want to be away from electronics. You want to be away from supplements, unless you really know what you're doing and you have deep pockets and you're you're connected at Amazon. Uh, you're going to get attacked. You're going to have low margins. You're going to have a lot of Chinese sellers that you're competing against uh, in almost all these spaces. Beauty's probably up there, like maybe fourth of what to avoid. But just understand that there are tons of products that are low hanging fruit where the majority of the sellers on Amazon are bad at Amazon. So as much as I tell people to avoid a few categories, what we do is we qualify each product through data analysis. So we work backwards. We look at the top 10 sellers of every single product. We understand what keywords they're ranked on that are generating sales for them. So what are the keywords that they're on the first page for? And then the, the problem is a lot of people don't look at keywords to begin with. They just look at one search term and then the sellers on that search term, which is a backward, like it's not a good strategy, but, here's another issue. If I only look at one seller and then that guy's not very good at Amazon, he's just okay. He's only on 20 keywords that he's getting sales on, but there might be 50 potential good keywords that he could be getting sales on. And he's, he's missing out on 30 of them. How do you know that? So what you need to do is you need to look at the entire market. You need to look at the top 10 sellers. And then once you combine all that data together, what you get is a master keyword list with pretty much 90, 95% of all the good keywords that you could be using to sell that product. And then you can see how good each seller is and by by understanding how many of those keywords they're on. So the best seller might only be on 30 of the 50. The next guy's on 25 of the 50. The next guy's on 20 of the 50. And then that's an opportunity for you to come in. That means it's a lower risk product because you can be better than them. But if let's say you look at that same product and five or seven of the guys are on almost all the keywords, then that's a product that you don't want to do because it's going to be too high of risk. those people are entrenched. And a lot of people give weight to reviews, how many reviews the competitors have and their listing style and how good their listing is. To me, that's all secondary. What matters most is the keywords. So if you look at those keywords and you see that there, there is a demand that is not being met and you can meet that demand, then that's a product you probably want to do. Uh, the second part of that is that we also teach about, um, You know, by choosing products, we also teach about opportunity. So every single product that we're looking at to potentially do, we give an opportunity score and a risk score. So the opportunity score to us is how many total keywords there are above three or 500 exact searches a month. Uh, What that means to us is that if a product has less than 10 or 15 uh, good keywords, it's going to be very easy for other people to compete against you that aren't even good at Amazon. They're going to be able to guess and find those keywords. They're going to be competing for the same key. Everyone's going to be competing for those same keywords. And you're not going to be able to be wider than your competition, which is the advantage you have if you learn how to look at the data correctly and, and target those keywords like we teach you how to do and how we do it. So yeah. um, really what you're doing is you're removing your advantage and then you're jumping into a space that's going to have a shorter a shorter lifespan and more competition. And it's just not good. So opportunity score is important too. We like to see you know, products with at least 15, 20 keywords minimum. And then anything with more than 30 is going to be considered high opportunity. But so you have to combine an opportunity score and the risk score, put it into your pipeline, and then keep looking for products. And eventually, if you fill up your pipeline, the more products you find, the lower your risk in this business is going to be because you're just going to start the, the cream of bubble to the top.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean. Uh, to back up slightly I, I came from the world of cell phone accessories and I was very successful <laughs> at it but anybody asking I would tell them don't don't start in that I would not get into that field it is very cutthroat luckily I had a long history going back of being in the very early days of it but I do want to point out something or, or ask something actually if, for anybody who's watching and listening you know they might say hey Brandon that's great but You know, I'm thinking to myself, there's a million people selling on Amazon and how do I, you know, is it worth getting into? There's, you know, seems like there's people every day getting into it. So people there are thinking that like, what would you, I'm sure you get asked that question, right? Like, hey, there's a million people selling on there. Why should I sell on there? Or how do I get started?
2: I think that a lot of people, they ask me in the form of, is the opportunity already passed? Like this is a gold rush. Is it over? Right? So you got to remember that the majority of people coming into Amazon are not selling private label. They're not creating their own brands like we teach you how to do or like what we do. They're doing the arbitrage thing or the wholesale thing. And they're relying on these other big brands and looking for these deals. And that's 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 becoming saturated. The other part of it is that the majority of people coming in are going to fail because they're learning from the wrong people. They're learning the wrong strategies. And just naturally, people give up. Right. Before anyone takes my class, I qualify them. I have them watch my master class, which walks through all that data analysis and research. It's like a five hour class. And I say, after you watch that, you'll know whether this is the right business for you, because I'm going to show you everything that's involved with how we do what we do. And I won't let you into my, my inner circle, my, my course, if you uh, are not going to put in the work to do exactly what we teach you how to do. Because I, I, no, I have no desire to take money from people that aren't going to uh, take action. I don't need your money. Like, uh, so don't, don't give it to me if you're not going to come in and work and I have no desire. I'll feel bad if I take your money and then you come in and fail or, or don't do any work. So like, I'd rather qualify you, make sure that this is the right business for you. And, and there's guys out there that have selling that have sold 10,000 of their courses, but they have a success rate of 3%. A, the content's not very good. And B, they don't qualify anyone. C they don't give the, the ongoing support. Things change. They're not seller. There's a ton of reasons why. But I don't want to be that. I want to have an 80, 90% success rate with my students. Not everyone's going to be successful and I know that. And this isn't for everybody. And some people are going to think it's right for them. But at the end of the day, it really takes
1: hard work and dedication. Absolutely. So so speaking of that, if if somebody's like, hey, I'm doing my full I got a full-time job, but I want to get going in this, you know, do you recommend I mean obviously we don't want them to quit their job, but they're going to have to dedicate some some time to this. This is this is gonna turn into a full-time thing. So if you're only dedicating a little, you know, the weekend or a couple hours here and there, you're not really dedicating. And this is some of the reason I think why you probably pre-screen, right? You're looking for that person that, it's okay if you got that full-time job and you wanna be in this full-time. We, I think we, I've been there. We, I, you know, before I started my business, I was working full-time and kind of figuring out how to get it going. But I love the fact that you're screening everyone to kind of find those people that are gonna be successful because the ones that are successful are going to want to go out there and kind of cheerlead for you, right? Hey, I'm successful. Brandon got me there. So somebody who's just saying, I want to get into this part-time, you know, kind of what's your recommendation to them? Like what steps should they take to kind of ramp up to be a full-time seller, private label seller?
2: I think it really matters how much capital don't start this business unless you have five to $10,000, first of all, to invest in it. And I don't recommend you take out debt to, to start this business. So another thing is I see a lot of guys out there teaching courses who will teach them how to take out a credit card to leverage a credit card to start the business. There's one guy in particular who I won't name. Uh, mostly, you know, it, it's just it's just ridiculous. Like this is a risky business. Like I'm only right 80% of the time. I can show you how to find a low risk product that you have a 90% su- su- you know chance of success on. But that's still only 90%. And what happens if you borrow that money and then fail? Now you're in debt, and and you know it, it could ruin lives. So don't start this business unless you have at least five or ten thousand dollars, and then. If you're not going to dedicate 10 hours a week, um, I think about with, with 10 hours a week, I think you can start your business. You can come in, you can learn, you can start to develop one product. Um, and then the goal would be to do the research, source some samples. We show you how to consolidate samples. We have logistics contacts to help you that we, we allow you to leverage to, to consolidate samples, save you money. Um, we have, you know, all sorts of resources for you for China and all that because a lot of people are overwhelmed by that. But get those samples in, look at them, buy your competitors' products, compare them, look at optimizing, placing your order, and then launching your product. You can get a product from zero to an Amazon selling and ranked, making you money, you know, within 20, 20 weeks probably, right? So that's why our course takes about 16 weeks. Um, and I think that uh, it might take 20 weeks this time because we're going we're gonna to have some extra classes on PPC and things like that, like I said. but. Yeah. Um, I think 10 hours is fine. If you have more time and more capital, like those are your two restrictions in any business. And especially this one, you're restricted by your time and your capital. When you run out of time, you hire people. When you run out of capital, you borrow it. <laughs> you know, uh, eventually when you're confident, like you can borrow to, to supplement for what you've already launched, but you can leverage capital, uh, you know, lending and things like that eventually too. Uh, once you're more comfortable, but not, don't start your business with lending. Yeah, so, that, that's some great cap.
1: advice, yeah. You should definitely make sure, I don't want to say it's a disposable income but make sure it's an income you're willing to live without that five, you know, five grand or so that you start with. Don't don't take out a mortgage or do something stupid like that. That's It's not the right way to do it, you know. And if that's the case, uh, do some learning save some money, sell some stuff on eBay or something, right? If you want to raise that money.
2: money Like you said, you know, they they have that money laying around. They don't even know it. Like if they cleaned out their garage, instead of, instead of doing a yard sale where they're getting rid of stuff for a dollar to someone that's going to go buy it and sell it on eBay for $15, they could just sell it on eBay for $15, right? Exactly. So like if you start cleaning up and saving up and, and, and doing it, most people can stash away five or 10,000. Now, I, I show you in the class also, like the master class, I'm very specific about this is the type of product that, this is the landed cost of the product. This is how many it sells a month. This is how many you're going to need to order. Here's some additional money for marketing. So here's how much money you'll need to start a product that, that is this profile, right? Yeah. So a product that costs $5 to land that you sell 10 a day, right? So you're selling it for 15, 18 bucks. You're making $5 every time it sells, right? Because you have Amazon fees. So you're making $50 a day on that product, but that product takes like 10 grand to start. Yeah. Now, you know, so that's not a small investment, but that's $50 a day in profit that you didn't have. And the goal of this business is not to stop with one product. It's to do that 10 times. So now you have $500 a day coming in, which is more than most people are earning, like sitting in a cubicle, busting their butt, you know, taking time away from their family, uh, working hard, slaving away for somebody else to make money. So the goal is start with one product, du- learn the process, duplicate it, duplicate it, duplicate it. Keep repeating these processes that we teach you so that you can build up a real income. And believe me, it starts to snowball. Eventually you'll get to a point. If you have enough capital, you can launch two or three or more products at a time and yeah. maybe three products a month. And then maybe five products a month. You start to build a team to to handle it. Uh, but now you're making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, uh, which is far more than most people are making.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And So let's talk a little bit about, they they go through your course, they find this, let's just start with a product, right? They find the product, it gets going. How do they know it? Like, or kind of what point do do you say you've gone through all this process, the sales just aren't there or something's just not working? What point do you kind of just cut that product loss and move on to another product? I mean, I assume you're always working on the next product already, but what are some, maybe some triggers that you're like, okay this product wasn't as successful, let's dump it and move on to another product or you got one in the works already?
2: Yeah, so for the most part, it's gonna be usually products that are design-oriented. Like We've had failures where my wife picked the polka dot one instead of the striped (laughs) one and the polka dot one didn't do as well, right? And you just never know. Or like the pink one instead of the yellow one or the, you know, you just, sometimes you just don't know and so you'll see the conversion rates just aren't as high as your competitors. You'll do the ranking, you'll rank the product, and then it, it'll fall, like the rank will fall down a little bit. No matter what you do, it'll just, it'll only sell what it sells. So you kind of just sell through that inventory, you turn off the marketing, you make it profitable so you're at least getting money out so you can get your capital back out. And you just say, you know what, that wasn't the right style, the right color. It didn't resonate. But you can do a lot of testing in the meantime. You can test your main images, you can, you can test some price points, and you can do a lot of A/B testing to try to raise your, your your conversion rates. And sometimes you'll take a product that isn't converting well, and then it's as simple as just changing the main image and all of a sudden it starts selling. So don't, don't necessarily give up without putting in the effort and the time to test some things, but sometimes you just start to learn like, okay, no one likes this design, it's, it really is ugly. Or you know it, you just don't understand. So um, you move on. And, and so you're not right 100% of the time and that's okay. The hard part is that if you're limited in capital, being wrong can be catastrophic. So that's what I'm trying to avoid when I qualify students. I don't want them to, to pick, uh, come into this business, pick a product, fail, and then, and then be in a lot of trouble. Um, just understand that we failed a lot. You know, we failed a lot in a lot of different ways that we're going to make sure you don't fail. But we still fail even to this day. Like I've got 50 products I'm launching before Q4. And I guarantee that at least five of those will probably fail but I know that going in and I've got the capital to absorb it, but I'm going to learn from each of those failures and I'm going to learn from each of those successes. And then I'm going to teach them to my students.
1: Yeah. Uh, Let's also, uh, let's go over a bit of how important is a quality product, having a product that is quality. It's not cheap. Cause you'll look, I mean, if you look on Amazon, you'll see, I don't know, let's go with, uh, Uh, Bluetooth earbuds, right? Like there's a gazillion of them on there, right? And and that's probably one of those categories you want to avoid, by the way, (laughs) because there's a lot of people. (laughs) I'm on my third set. And the first one, it was okay. Second one was better. The third one is really good. And I know how to search through these five stars. I mean, we at Feedback was we help you with five stars. So I know what to look for. This newest set I got is really nice. But it really comes down to quality, right? The first one I bought, it, it was like seven bucks. I just needed something to stick in my ear while I was editing a video. Second one, okay, a little better quality, uh, you know, but like how important is the quality of the product that you're going to sell on Amazon?
2: Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's important. I'll say it's important to be at least as good as your competition. Yeah. Right. So if your rating is below your competitors, you're going to fall in your ranks. You're not going to convert as well. At the end of the day, it comes down to people clicking on your listing and purchasing it. Uh, and they're not going to click on it as much. They're not going to buy it as much or as often uh, if your rating is worse. And so quality matters in that, in that aspect. And I don't recommend anyone cheat on the reviews. That's just not a sustainable business model and you get in trouble with Amazon. So uh, what I would say is, uh, make sure that when you look at samples from a compa- like from different factories, like we always we always recommend you get at least three samples from three different factories. Then you also buy your competitors' products and you put them side by side. Test your your samples. Test your competitors' products. Then, when you get a final sample from your factory, like after you decide you want to go forward, you have them put it in the in the final packaging and everything, and they send it to you. Make sure it's the same as the sample. Then you get an inspector before you ship it out for 150 bucks and you have them go to the factory and test, randomly test a bunch of units and make sure that those are good. And so you have a lot of things you can do for quality control and you need to do them because one bad shipment can ruin your business. It can it can uh, ruin that product. You'll just start getting them. I just had it happen. I have it happen to this day, but it's not something that even would have been testable like um, with an inspector. The product looked great. It was when people started to use it that an issue arose that we didn't we didn't know uh, on the reorder. So it was 2,000 units we sent in. We're selling over 50 a day of this product. And all of a sudden, like a few days in, I start getting a bunch of bombardment with, with messages saying, hey, there's an issue. The good thing is I have an insert card in my, in my product. People knew to message me directly. I only got only a few negative reviews out of so many bad products, which is a, a real blessing because I could turn that product around. The factory turned around. I recalled all those bad ones. They gave us 2,500 units uh, that just hit, and now I'm relaunching that product. But I've got four or five negative reviews that slipped through that I have to kind of make up for. So I have to figure out—you know—it fell from five stars to 4.7 stars now, or 4.6 stars, and um, it's still ahead of the competition or on par with it. And I've—I've I've solved the issue. But had I stayed with that bad product, I don't have a business because people are just going to. They're going to crush that listing with negative reviews and we're going to, we're going to end up uh, selling out of, eventually our sales will go to nothing, our margins will go to nothing, and then that product's dead. So you don't have a business if you don't concentrate
1: on on quality. Absolutely. And you know, one of the ways we address, we get that question at Feedback Whiz all the time is, you know, I've got a few negative reviews. We've always addressed it as answer those negative reviews, go tell them what happened be real. Like if you genuinely go on there and say, Hey, we had a bad batch. We're correcting it. There's a new version coming. That's fixed. You know, anybody later on that looks at that will say, Hey, look, they're, they're backing up their product. They, there was a mistake or issue probably, you know, they're going to say it was your fault because obviously it's your product. Right. But it's one of those things that you addressed it. We're fixing it. And now the new one's and I looked at that when I look at you know, certain products, I've seen people say, hey, that was the old version. We have a new version of it. We fixed or addressed this issue. It's important to go in there and respond to, these, to this negative feedback and explain yeah. what happened. You know, it, it definitely Absolutely. will help. So I wanna talk about something that a lot of people don't talk about. So a lot of people get online. They're gonna look up Brandon Young. They're gonna see, wow, this guy's all over the place. He's having a good time. Look at all these cool videos of him. So let's really talk about, and I, I know this from personally from running a business, that there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff people don't get to see. They don't see the hours that go in. So let's talk about on a typical day, Brandon, like how many hours you're putting in the business, how many hours are you online, uh, maybe address what you were doing last night with your uh, user group and how late you're on there. Let's tell them a little more of the reality of when they get a business going, you know, they may see these people post oh, I worked on my business four hours today and I made, you know, 10 grand. Well, good. I'm glad they did. But what's the reality of this, Brandon?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a unique situation. Um, I'm lucky to have my wife as a partner who helps me with the, the private label business significantly. I've got employees at this point. I've been able to offload a, a little bit of my responsibilities. But I, I do, and I do dedicate um, a, a percentage of my time to coaching. So probably... 15 to 20 hours a week. Uh I'm probably putting into coaching and I would say I put another forty to fifty hours into our business. So last night I did a master class, for example. Um, it was five and a half hours long. We ended around two, two thirty. Uh I didn't get home and into bed until about five thirty after rendering it and like answering questions and hanging out. Um, so and now I was back up answering some questions from the class. Uh I, I had uh PPC, I had the, <laughs> so for that same product that I just mentioned, uh, I woke up and I saw that yesterday I, I hadn't monitored it at all. I saw that we spent, uh, like $600 on PPC at 150% A cost. Now it's a relaunch and yeah. in launch, like that's, you know, you can spend a little bit more. That's okay. But I didn't understand why it wasn't optimized already. And so it kind of freaked me out. So I, I spent like an hour doing PPC this morning. Um, Yeah. I think between product analysis, training my staff, uh, now, now I've shifted my business because I think it's really great. Um, there's, there's a guy by the name of Alex Sharfman, uh, who's, who has uh, the billionaire code. And if you guys haven't heard of it, it's really, really cool, um, tool or like blog. Uh, but it talks about what you need to take your business from, um, different inflection points and there's inflection points at ones and threes and zeros. So like to go from 1 million to 3 million, you're, you have to make changes in your business. And then to go from, you know, 3 million to 10 million, you have to make significant changes in your business. Right. So I'm at that point where I did 6 million last year, I'm trying to get to 12 or 15 million, probably 12 million this year. Um, Realistically, it depends how these launches go, but you know, I should, should hit 10 to 12. And then but I've had to make major shifts in my business to do that. I can't do 50 launches. I can't do 50 PPC campaigns. I can't optimize 50 PPC campaigns. Um, I can't do the the the, uh, the listings for 50 products. Um, so it, it took it took me a while to 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 be able to bring someone on. And I'm a bad manager, so I wouldn't even define success. I wouldn't define failure. My biggest weakness is probably management. So. Um, it's, it's been a, a, a really hard process. Our goal going into this year was to grow the team so that we could grow the business because we knew we were at that point where we were out of time. Right. We, I told you before, we, you have time and money, but well, we have money, but we don't have time. So how do we solve that? Well, it's, it's management. And, uh, you know, Alex talks about that quite a bit about you need to be, instead of being a doer, now you're a manager, uh, at this point and an operator. Yeah. And so I, I, I took myself from being really good at what I do and put myself into a position where I'm really bad, um, which doesn't seem like the optimal thing for the business. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I work an insane amount of hours. I love it. I love what I do. Um, I'm, I'm very driven. I don't think you have to. Um, I think you could make a comfortable living. A lot of people don't want to make, you know, 12, $15 million in a year revenue and, and take home a couple million dollars. They don't want to do that. They're okay taking home a few hundred thousand dollars and driving a million dollar business, right? A 1.5, $2 million business yeah. at 20%, you know, you're looking at a few hundred thousand and that'll change people's lives. You yeah, could do that with yourself and maybe a part-time person or a couple of VAs. So really it's whatever you want to do and, and how driven you are. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty driven. I, I, I have a lot going on. I also invest in startups. I have, um, like, I, I'm an angel investor. I invest in all sorts of different companies. Uh, so I'm, I'm constantly like looking for pitches and, and talking to people. Um, I do right, the wait, Before
1: you get too much into investing, let's, let's, uh, cause I want to talk about that a little more, a uh, little further in the podcast here, but oh, okay. let's talk a little bit about marketing. Okay. Being a, the marketing guy for feedback Whiz myself. I was sitting on Facebook and I see this uh, post come up from Brandon and I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. Like completely genius. Why don't you tell them a little bit about what you gave away and what the offer was to sign up for your course basically come take my course and by the way during this course we're going to give away something why don't you tell a little bit about how that idea came up and what you're giving away
2: well I mean it's 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 interesting Um, and the funny part is they didn't even take it but uh, so I I was I drive a Tesla and uh, a few months ago I decided to get a new one because they had a a situation where Tesla was closing all of their uh, showrooms and so a lot of the show cars and things that they had uh, on stock plus at the same time of sh- closing the showroom they announced that they were reducing the price on all of the new the, all new ve- of their three vehicles that they have the 3 the S and the X uh, by significant like 10 15,000 each and it was like a really big deduction so then the used market got hit really well so like i i i was currently driving uh, a non performance edition and i wanted the performance edition which is you know 0 to 16, 2.5 I enjoy I enjoy fast cars. So so I was like, okay, I want this one. I, it got reduced, and I got it for like sixty grand, a car that was one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars two years ago. And I was like, this is this is insane. I have to buy this. But now I already have this other Tesla. So I said, um, just jokingly, I was talking to a friend, and I said, you know what? I might just give it to a student. And then I thought about it some more, and I'm like, this is absolutely nuts. But it's a pain in the ass to sell a car. Yes, <laughs> so it I said. Is. I get it. 200 students to sign up for $200 each, I'll just give them a the car and then out of the 200 students, you know, I'll, ch- I'll change some lives and I'll, I'll, I'll it'll motivate people to actually maybe take that next step and learn about Amazon because I have so many people that I know that are just sitting in their cubicles that hate their lives um, and, and dread going to work every day that I was like, what they need to push. So I was like, maybe the chance of winning a Tesla will do it. I'll get the same amount of money. It's like four hours of my time on this class. I don't mind. Um, and I'll just, I'll give away the car. The funny thing is the guy that won it lives in California, already drives a Mercedes, would have had to pay 40% taxes on it and yeah. transport it from Miami. So he's like, he took the cash option. I gave an option of 14,000 cause that's the most that you can gift plus coaching. And he's like, the cash plus coaching is a better deal for me. Absolutely. So I still have the tests. I'm still trying to sell oh. it. <laughs>
1: Okay, anybody I, looking for a Tesla? Get a hold of Brandon. You. I had someone drive it
2: two days ago. That looks like he's finally going to buy it. But I, okay. I, I hate. To, I'm still in the same position I was in, where I still hate having to sell a car privately. Like it just takes so much time and effort, and it's annoying dealing with people like that. Or Absolutely. Car
0: shopping.
1: I'm
2: not and a. you car have
0: seller.
1: it where you could sell the Tesla, use Tesla on Amazon or something, retail arbitrage it. <laughs> there you go. I'll put it on eBay. <laughs>
2: yeah. EBay. Exactly. So the uh, the. The other thing was uh, last night we did a master, you know, a master class, um, which is basically the same, except for this one wasn't as wide on the subjects. It was more just about product research and choosing the right products and the data that we do. And yesterday I, I decided uh, to invest in us. I picked a student randomly to invest in their company. So I said, I would give you a free inner circle membership. Um, I would give you at least five hours. It's probably going to be up to 10 hours. And then I will buy your, the inventory. I'll help you research, find a product that we can do together. And then I'll buy your first round of inventory of up to $10,000 uh, to help wow. you kickstart your business. And so I, I randomly chose, uh, you know, someone in the, in the group last night and, and they won that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, see, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily come from a marketing background other than the fact that when I ran my business, you have to do marketing too, right? So my thing was always, I had to be unique. I had a unique product, I had a unique approach to my business. I feel you're doing exactly the same thing. Nobody out there is giving a car away, okay, especially a Tesla, it, even, regardless of whether it's used. It, I mean, I saw it. It's a nice Tesla. And then now Brandon is basically, like, backing his students. Like, he's picking a student, backing it with his own money. And if I understood this correctly, right, it was something like uh, – you're gonna you're gonna buy the inventory, but if they're not successful, it's out of your pocket, right? And if it is, you get fifty percent. Is that right? How it went? No, no. I, so on oh. this student, I
2: don't get anything. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, this, this student is just it's their business, hundred percent. I'm just gonna I can use I, I I the deal is I can use it as a case study. Okay. So there you go. Um, the the goal would be to record our sessions about what we're doing, the research we're doing, picking the product, why we're picking the product. Ah, uh, the sourcing, the samples, recording. Uh, recording. He has to record himself, like analyzing the samples and the competition. Maybe we'll get two sets of samples. I'll get them. He'll get them, and then we'll record, like analyzing and discussing them, and then the whole process of 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 the private label process of going from zero to a product launched and successful. And the goal would be to uh, just be able to expose that to the to the world without having to be part of the class. So um, yeah. because that's that's what the deeper dive in the inner circle of the college level class is, but maybe. Maybe that'll inspire some people because we can take a product and turn it on, and and for under ten thousand, we can get a product that's going to make this guy seventy five hundred dollars a day, and probably change his life. So, the other thing you're talking about, uh, I'll, I'm I'm going to be doing really shortly. I'm I'm looking for for students who have shown uh, talent but lack a little bit of capital, and I'm looking to partner with them. I'm going to okay. give them twenty twenty five thousand. Uh, I'll take some equity in the company. I'll become an advisor. They get to go through my course um, if they're not already in it, you know, and or they're in it for life at that point. And I just, I can utilize the resources that I've created for my business, the different software that we've created, uh, our logistics contacts, you know, we can save, like I can have my employees helping them with PPC. I can have my employees helping them with other things. So I can leverage economies of scale to reduce their cost. make them more successful and profitable while also giving them the coaching, the knowledge, and a little bit of capital to do it.
1: Yeah. So let's let's discuss a little bit about the amount of hours you've spent in China. I've personally been in China for hundreds of hours through hundreds of factories. I know you've been there many, many times because I've seen pictures and I'm like sitting there just laughing because I'm like, I've been in that same position. But uh, (laughs) talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what's the process you go through to go on a trip to China and how many days are you there? How many hours are you putting in? What, you know, if you want to give a little hint on things you're looking for, or I know I can say for a fact, I saw you testing an item in China at the <laughs> showroom. <laughs> talk a little bit about that because I think people are are a little scared of China and it's more the, the unknown, right? Like the unknown of what do I do when I go there? Who do I talk to? So maybe talk a little about that. And I'm hoping you cover some of that in your course.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, we we cover quite a bit of sourcing. We we utilize, I teach them how to utilize uh, the wholesale uh, direct site. So not Alibaba, but, uh, so Alibaba, just quick background. I'll jump into China, I love China. But um, Alibaba is all in English because it's Chinese brokers targeting Americans or English speakers and then Alibaba has another site that they own called 1688.com, which is all in Chinese. And then those are the large factories and distributors targeting the smaller brokers in China who then put it on Alibaba to target us. So you can go more direct by going through 1688. We show you how to translate the page, how to communicate. We have a logistics, like the logistics company contact that we have will order the samples for you from 1688 if you have trouble ordering them and then charge you like $5 per sample, like nothing. And then help you consolidate them and get you samples. And then con- And then if you like the sample, they'll put you in contact through WeChat or something with the factory directly without taking a cut. Like it's not a broker thing. So you don't have to go to China necessarily, but I love China. China's great. I love the food. I love the people. I love getting ideas. So when I go, I go for like Canton Fair every year, every April. Um, I go, like you saw, I have three different toy brands, for example, right? I have a baby toy brand, an educational one, a regular toy brand. And, uh, the sports, so I've got four, I guess, but, um, I I go and I, uh, I'll go to these showrooms like you're, like you're saying, and it's like 12,000 factories, (laughs) uh, have stuff in this giant building, like five stories. You walk around, it's like you're in Toys R Us, but every single like section of the wall is a different factory. And then they follow you around and they scan whatever you want them to scan. They'll tell you the price uh, if you want them to, if you want to test it later or deal with it later, they put in a shopping cart that they're pushing around, following you with, they feed you, give you any, any drinks you want. Uh, they treat you like gold yet. Yeah, you need a broker to get you in there. Funny enough. So that's the instance that we do have a, a brokers for all of our toys. And, and it's a really good contact because it's, it's an extension of our team pretty much because yeah. we deal with a lot of toys. But, um, so at the end of it, they give you a printout of everything you scan, the name of the factory, the contact information for the factory the price of the product you scanned, a picture of the product you scanned, and then you're sitting in a private room and you're reviewing that information. And then you have all the carts of stuff that you brought in to test and to to look up. Because you get so many ideas just walking around in the showroom where it's like, you end up with seven, eight, I can show you pictures, (laughs) eight, nine, 10 (laughs) carts a full. And you're gonna sit there for 20 hours now over the course of two days and you're just gonna do keyword research uh and then test the toys as you're doing it and if that's not the right factory you go back to the guy and you say i want all of the factory i want all of that these that that are in this showroom from all different factories and they'll bring you a cart with like five more from five different factories of the same type of item and then you can find the one with the best quality best price you can call them up negotiate and they're all local to that to shantou which is where all the toys are made in china yeah it and it's fantastic like they there were many times when we would call up and they say, no problem. We'll be right there. And the owner of the factory or the sales guy would show up at the factory within a half hour with a new sample for us.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and say, Hey, we have a new version, right? Like you're saying, I was like, Hey, something's kind of wrong with this. And they would, uh, or like, you know, we noticed something, can you do something? Can you make it a little bit smaller? We need to fit it in a smaller package so we could save on fulfillment fees type of thing or, uh, whatever it is that we were trying to do. The guy would show up within an hour and, and like, you know, <laughs> and be working with us. So yeah, it's really, uh, I love China. I just love the opportunity that's there. When you go, you don't understand what there is that you could sell the potential, the opportunity. When you walk around Canton fair, for example, it's the same thing. You're going from booth to booth. And it's not because you're trying to find that factory. It's because you're trying to find that idea or that item. Right. Yeah. And then you can go on 1688 and probably source it for cheaper than the guy selling it in the booth at in Canton. But that doesn't matter because you got the idea. You got to,
1: you know, you got it. He it sparked pictures, something it. yeah yeah no it, brandon's given a ton of ideas a ton of information here i mean it, it, anybody listening to our podcast probably want to reloop the podcast a couple of times and listen to what he said 1688.com okay that i was what a source i used to i mean when i was sourcing stuff canton fair now l- let's just back up a smidge though If you're selling on Amazon, you're just getting started, you probably don't need, just use 1688. You don't need to be going over to Canton Fair yet, right? When you start ramping up and you're getting multiple products and you've kind of got some capital built and you want to really get a good understanding of where your stuff is made, how it's being made, what the quality of it is, then you want to probably piggyback going to Canton Fair and then going to these factories. Now, people are going to probably say that Oh, well, I don't know the language. You don't need to know language. They all have a salesperson that speaks English. Everybody at Canton Fair will have Most. somebody in that booth that speaks English. Okay, that's yeah, one.
2: Canton, Canton especially. You'll have everyone speaking English. Oh, yeah.
1: English. It's, it's one we of those myths. We do a, lot of, we it, do a lot of factories
2: that don't have English speakers. And that's, oh, why, really? that's why. Yeah, like on 1688, it's even a little bit more common. But what's great is if you're chatting on WeChat. Then it translates for you, so yeah. you just hold down their Chinese text, and it translates it to English. They hold down your English text to translate it to Chinese, and you can communicate fine. Yeah, um, you know, if you're more comfortable using a go-between or a broker and paying a little bit more, then you know that person can trading be part of
1: your team. That's fine. Watch out for those trading companies. It's not like here's the thing with trading companies. Most of the people selling on Alibaba are usually trading companies. They're not the factory directly. I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of them are that way, and. I've had times where I've actually started with a trading company and then eventually worked up to a, a manufacturer. And it was only because we needed somebody, we needed the product now, we needed to get it up and running. So trading companies aren't a bad thing but they're not you're not going to get your best price on a trading company. So I mean I got a great story. We went we had this person that was a sales guy. We end up at the factory. I turned to the sales guy and I said, "Hey, where's the restroom?" He had to ask the owner and that's immediately how we knew he was the middleman. He was not the factory. So the owner was Yeah, there. I had
2: that happen where a guy said it was his factory and there's like different company name on the, on the wall.
1: Well, <laughs> I was like, been there, been, been there I done like, that. Right? Like I mean, and I even asked him, I was like, are you, sh-, you know, don't, don't lie to me. Are you the factory? Like, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, factory, factory. <laughs>
1: hey, I rather do with the business with the ones that tell you up front that I'm, I'm an independent salesperson because then you yeah. respect them more and know that, hey, they're taking their small cut, but you know, they're going to also handle the middleman, like, They'll handle other things. Like for us, the person that was the middleman in this situation, it was fine because he actually what he paid to have a person come independently and test the product, like do random samples. So we were like, okay, the small amount we're paying him versus uh, what we'd have to pay to have somebody come over and do a quality test on it, and then he would help send it over and get it consolidated, you know, to where we needed. It. it was worth a little percentage. So you got to just weigh those little things on whether yeah. it's worth. But yeah, your, your trips to China are awesome. I, I wish I knew you back when I was still going over there because I think we would have just had a, a blast going over there. I, I've been in the showrooms that were five stories high and literally just shelves full of products and did the same thing. They said, just drop it on the floor and the lady would come around with a cart or a basket and pick it up. And by the time you walked back in, you would have a price already and everything. So it was, it was hilarious. All right, well, we're going to wrap this up. Brandon, Why don't you go over real quick, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, You know, if somebody wants to take your course, where do they sign up? Give them a little information on how they can get into this course of yours and get going, or at least try to qualify getting into the course.
2: Yeah, so um, probably the best way is uh, if you're going to look for the uh, masterclass, that is www.amazonprivatelabelcourse.com. Um, you have to put the www. I don't know why it, it, it redirects to GoDaddy if you just put in AmazonPrivateLabelCourse.com, <laughs> but that one. And then for the full course, the inner circle information, you can just add slash full course to that. So www.AmazonPrivateLabelCourse.com. We also have our community, which is uh, Seller Systems Succeeding on Amazon FBA. Um, I have partners that I um, in Seller Systems uh, who teach, uh, arbitrage and wholesale. So if that's a model, that's more attractive to you. Those guys are ultra successful at it and they're, they're good at private label too. They're starting to crush it there too. Um, but they, uh, Garland and Max just really genuine, nice guys. The reason we partnered up is because we we're, we're aligned in that, in that aspect that we, that we we're, were there because we care about the students. So, um, those guys will, are crushing, uh, arbitrage, resale, wholesale. Um, and so you'll, you'll be able to meet them and then they have their, their course content too uh, underneath seller systems. But
1: um, yeah. if you need me, just message me on Facebook too. I mean, I'm always available. He's, he's always there. Uh, a couple quick things. Feedback Wiz is going to be in Brandon's course. We're going to be working on that. Uh, give it a little time. We're trying to get a special section set up on his course. And then, uh, you know, if you ever see Brandon at any of the uh, conferences, he's a really easy guy to go up to. Uh, especially if you want to talk a little golf with him too. But I do have to recommend, do not race Brandon. If he ever wants to race you, do not race him. But other than that, thanks, Brandon, for being on. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, I mean, why? I'm big. I'm slow. I can't be fast. (laughs) All right. Well, if you want to lose some money, you should race Brandon. Otherwise, thanks for being on, Brandon. I appreciate it. This is Rob and Brandon with the uh, Ecom Wiz Podcast, and we'll talk to you later.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, FeedbackWiz.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Spotify. That way you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found the show helpful, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us also. Join us next week for more great tips to help Amazon sellers dominate the marketplace.